Hello, and thank you for tuning in again live today. It is Sunday, September 17th. It is 1 p.m. And I am your host for today, Jason Leeser. Um, and if this is working for you, please drop a comment in the chat. Let us know. And thank you for tuning in to Skill Building Sunday here live on the Reinventing the Tattoo Network. And welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are encouraged to join in these live streams, real world events, to share and inspire and ultimately create better art and tattoos together. We beam out nearly every day and with your help have evolved into a quality network of amazing live and on-demand tattoo and art shows that have all been receiving rave reviews. You can find Reinventing the Tattoo in both of the app stores, the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, as well as our Reinventing the Tattoo YouTube channel, our Reinventing the Tattoo Roku channel, which has 12 to 15 different episodes going at any given time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as well as all of the major podcast directories such as Apple and Spotify. Or you can do what most people do and just go to your browser and do a search for Reinventing the Tattoo, and everything's going to pop up right there, except for the book, which is out of print. You cannot find a copy. I've been looking for months. I cannot find a copy anywhere. If you come across a copy or you have one that's willing to be sold, please let me know. But no matter where you are watching live or on demand, you can always get the latest and greatest, most up-to-date information all available at www.reinventingthetattoo.com. You can try it out for free. You don't have to subscribe right away. You can pick one of three different options. You can pick a sample webinar from the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon, or you can get some free advice from Guy Aitchison about your unique goals and goal setting, or you can take a comprehensive tattoo history course from Jay Brown. Um, I'm a huge tattoo history nerd myself, so I always like to opt for the tattoo history course, um, but you know, there's three different options available. At reinventingthetattoo.com, you can also find a full event schedule with full details on weekly and special event live streams. So if you wanted to join today's live stream, for example, you could go to reinventingthetattoo.com, click on the live events area, and all of the details will be there all in a nice calendar format. Um, makes it very easy to find everything. At reinventingthetattoo.com, you can also find access to the Reinventing 24-7 channel, which is a lot like our Roku channel. It's got 13 different episodes going at any given time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as well as a full complement of professional development courses from over 20 world-class tattoo artists, guys such as BJ Betts and Andre Malcolm and Bob Tyrell. You can go on there and you can find some of their on-demand seminars. Um, and pay for those and take those as well, all available at reinventingthetattoo.com. Once again, if this is working for you, please let us know in the comments. Uh, tag, tag a friend that loves tattoos. Tag everyone you know that loves tattoos. Maybe it's someone that's trying to get their first tattoo, or maybe you know someone that wants to become a tattoo artist. Um, tag everyone. We're always trying to get new perspectives and new ideas on different things. Um, and what better way than to extend that invitation out to anyone that wants to join? 
We always like to encourage people to tune in to a few of our weekly staple shows, starting off on Sundays at 1 p.m. with me, Jason Leeser. And that's followed on Mondays with four separate episodes, starting off at 9 a.m., Drawing Four Tattooers with James Wisdom, where we get to go through and we get to discuss basic drawing techniques and strategies, helps us get back to the core of what it is to be a fine artist working in the tattoo field. Um, And that's followed. And once again, that's Drawing Four Tattooers with James Wisdom at 9 a.m. Monday mornings. Following that at 11 a.m. on Mondays, we have the Tattoo Weekly Show with Gabe Ripley, Lauren Gregory, and Jake Meeks uh, from the Fireside Tattoo Network, where we get to go through and discuss current events in the tattoo industry. Um, Any current news, any new events, um, anything that might have rocked the tattoo industry, all of that gets addressed during the Tattoo Weekly at 11 a.m. Monday mornings. Following the Tattoo Weekly at 5 p.m. on Mondays, we have Let's Talk About Feelings with Robbie Ripple, where we get to go through and we've got kind of a safe space to go through and discuss certain things that, you know, might be bothering us or um, certain things that maybe only other tattoo artists might understand. Uh, It gives us a safe place to go to, to vent, to discuss some of these things so that we can go through and, you know, maintain our own peace of mind. And that's 5 p.m. on Mondays. Let's talk about feelings with Robbie Ripple. Following that, capping off Monday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern time, uh, we have a subscribers exclusive drawing group with Sandy McAndrew from the Reinventing the Tattoo Network, um, where we go through and we cover different sections of the Reinventing the Tattoo canon every week. Uh, You do not have to subscribe to Reinventing the Tattoo, but if you do, which I personally recommend, you have access to these Monday evening drawing groups. It is only available with a subscription to the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon or a Reinventing the Tattoo Evolution subscription. I can tell you from firsthand experience, these Monday evening drawing groups are worth every penny. Um, you can see a marked difference in people when they start doing them. And, you know, if they eventually taper out, um, that happens too sometimes, but that's life. But you can see a marked difference in how, like the skills that people are building during these Monday evening drawing groups alone. So in my opinion, either one of the subscriptions are more than well worth it just for the Monday evening shows. Following that, on Wednesdays, we have the Tattoo Now show with Gabe Ripley, where we get to dive a little bit more into the business aspect behind doing tattoos, such as marketing and advertising, website designs, um, any type of calendar or client assessment forms, um, follow-ups, all that stuff, all of the business end of tattooing, that gets covered during the Tattoo Now show on Wednesdays with Gabe Ripley. And I believe that's at noon. Um, actually, it is at noon. I don't believe it is. I know it is. Following that and capping off the week on Thursdays at 6 p.m., we have the Tattoo Collecting 101 podcast with Fawn Baker, 
where we get to go through and explore different uh, adventures that people have had when collecting their tattoos from different people and hear about some of the stories that, you know, people acquire along the way to get these tattoos. Um, we also cover different types of art topics as well as different live event coverage. Um, that's Thursdays at 6 p.m., the Tattoo Collecting 101 podcast. We do have a special live event coming up in a few weeks, and that is the Paradise Tattoo Gathering. That will be taking place Thursday, October 12th through Sunday, October 15th. And you will not believe the lineup that's going to be at the Paradise Gathering this year. Uh, people that will be presenting include, but are not limited to, people such as Nick Baxter and Corey Ferguson. Uh, Gunner, Thea Duskin, Andy Chambers, Lady Sarah, Jake Meeks from the Fireside Tattoo Network will actually be offering his Find Your Style workshop for free for people that attend the Paradise Gathering. Tom Strom will be there. Andre Malcolm will be there doing a large bodysuit seminar. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that one. Um, I'll also be presenting at the Paradise Gathering. I will be doing two separate seminars, one on printmaking for tattoo artists, how to prep your images for prints, um, different uh, strategies on how to make sure your prints sell, what to look for in a really good fine art reproduction. And I'll also be teaching a seminar on Procreate for the tattoo artists. This includes going over how to make your own brush sets um, things to look at as far as efficiency in everyday use, how to go through and tweak your color palettes for your most used colors. Um, all of those topics and a whole lot more are going to be available all at the Paradise Gathering Thursday, October 12th through Sunday, October 15th. Tickets are on sale now, and I highly recommend you pick them up um, because rooms are selling out fast for this. So if I were you, I would really get on the ball. Would like to go through and take a minute to thank some of our sponsors and some of the people that make these shows happen. Starting off with WorldTattooEvents.com, the largest, most comprehensive resource for tattoo events worldwide. They're constantly keeping everything updated, as we know, living in this post-pandemic era. Certain tattoo events and conventions are still getting rescheduled like crazy. So if you want to be on the most up-to-date, um, most uh, current tattoo event calendar possible, take a look at worldtattooevents.com, where you can go to get the latest and greatest tattoo event information available. Next, we have tattoonow.com, technology for tattooers, the leading edge in professional development, management, and digital tools for tattooers of all levels. They're constantly keeping everything upgraded and competitive with any type of CRM, mailing list, or scheduling software out there. So if you really want to get the digital tools that are going to help you bring in more clients to get the kind of work that you really want to do, take a look at tattoonow.com. They have been the leading name in that part of the industry for about 20 years. Um, and they are the people to go to to make sure that that kind of stuff happens. Would also like to say a very personal and professional shout out and thank you to Guy Aitchison at GuyAitchison.com. 
Go to GuyHison.com. He is the founder and inspiration behind reinventing the tattoo. And at GuyHison.com, you can pick up a copy of his Biomech Encyclopedia, some of his tutorial DVDs. I think he might still have some custom coil machines for sale, as well as some original oil paintings and fine art prints as well. All available at GuyHison.com. Would also like to say a very quick thank you and shout out to Amy Nichols over at the Apprenticeship Diaries. Um, Amy and the Apprenticeship Diaries have been going through and cataloging what does it take to become a tattoo apprentice? What can you expect in a tattoo apprenticeship? What are some of the horror stories that might happen? And what are some of the great things that you might learn while you're there? Why is it important? Why do people need to go through these types of apprenticeships? Um, all of that and a whole lot more is discussed at the Apprenticeship Diaries podcast with Amy Nichols. Would also like to go through and say a very personal, heartfelt shout out to TATCOM and Aaron Williams, the mad scientist at TATCOM. These guys are literally diving into the science behind how do tattoos work and developing tools and devices to allow us to tattoo better and at a more efficient level. Um, these guys are literally the cutting edge of tattoo equipment technology. If I were you, I'd take a look into their stuff. It's absolutely incredible. These guys really know what they're talking about. And that's TATCOM with Aaron Williams. As always, we ask that if you like today's episode, we we ask that you go through, hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, make sure to post a positive review on the channel and help us get the word out. If you would like to host a Reinventing the Tattoo event, become a sponsor of our community, or if you're looking for a fine art or a tattoo critique, you can always email management at reinventingthetattoo.com. And we've got Tattoos by Spirit that just joined us, which is awesome. So we can close that and I'll close that. I'll close that. And let me just pull this over here. And this can go over here. And this can go over here. Would also, while I uh, have everyone on here, would also like to say a very heartfelt um, happy anniversary to my wonderful girlfriend, Kate, um, who is a very patient and humbling human being. Um, thank you very much. Hope you're uh, doing well, and I can't wait to uh, have dinner with you this evening. Uh, we got Spirit with us. What's up, man? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm just here at work. About to, uh... That's my client what dates he needs for his memorial tattoo. Yeah, hey, what's up, bro? Go ahead and uh, put out the dates. Put the dates on uh, that you're looking to have on the tattoo. Yeah, been getting a lot of those in for some weird reason. Uh, you know, maybe it's that time of year. Not quite sure, but uh, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm actually going to try something real quick uh, in Zoom. They have an immersive mode, and I've never used that before. Um, don't know if I like that. Uh, yeah, no, we're going to skip that part. Wasn't quite sure what that was, but wanted to take a look at it. 
Cool. Uh, so I think I'm going to be working on a value study for a dragon painting that I will be doing up at Paradise Gathering this year. Uh, nice. It's fairly large, um, two feet by four feet. And I figure if I use big enough brushes, I can probably uh, knock it all out over the weekend. Um, I'll switch this guy over and put this on. Awesome. But you can still see me. Ah, uh, yes. Wonderful. Uh, it doesn't look like we have any comments on the Facebook yet or in the YouTube. Hopefully everyone can still hear me. I think I'm coming through loud and clear, but if anyone out there is watching and you cannot hear me, please let me know. Oh, we got Seth Mushrush. And Seth has joined us officially. Hello, Seth. Uh, you want to talk about a guy that's hey, been in the industry for 20 years and has gotten to know more people than I can ever imagine? Seth, what's going on, bud? Not much, man. Um, let's see here. On my way uh, back from Massachusetts. And uh, oh, it's got that weird green um, Yeah, You're in the forest. Yeah, oh, I know. the turtle. I cannot figure out how to change that background right now for the life of me. Um, but uh, everything's going good, man. Staying busy at the shop. And um, I know there's a lot of, uh, a lot of like conventions and seminars and stuff like that coming up over the next few months. So just trying to be prepared for those things. How's, how are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. Pretty well. Uh, no complaints. Uh, no, no issues. You working on last time? Um, so the, one of the last things I think I was drawing while I was on here, um, I was working on this dragon layout, um, which I was thinking about turning into a painting and I decided to kind of crop some of it out and blow some of it up and put like a little border, like a window around it. Yeah, make make sure you take that exit, Seth. Yeah, yeah, I'm turning that off. Sorry, guys. No worries. There you go. But um, um but yeah, yeah, I decided wild, to man. put this in like a little window, make it look like it's kind of flying out of it. Um, yeah, it's something I got together no, for the uh, the Paradise Gathering. I'll probably go through and work on it over the weekend. Um, try to knock it all out with some very, very big paintbrushes. Um, yeah. Yeah, a couple of very large squirrel quill brushes should do the trick. Um, it's not like there's too much crazy detail in it. I mean, there's a lot of individual scales that need to be painted and maybe a little bit of texture here and there. But with the size of it, it shouldn't take too much. I really like the positive negative relationship there. I hope you keep the, the upper part of the dragon really light. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I wanted it to kind of fade out into black as it moved down and further away. Yeah. Um, you know, it just kind of helps keep focus on what we want to keep focus on. Yeah, for sure, man. Very cool. And just kind of adding a little bit of a drop shadow. Nothing awesome. crazy. 
I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep it more traditional um, as far as like no drop shadows, no, uh, not a whole lot of value in it. Not a whole lot of, um, you know, real like 3D rendering going on. Or if I wanted yeah. to keep it more of like a flat stylized kind of traditional look. Um, so I'm kind of playing around with a few things, but. Yeah, I like it more like that, more rendered. And the drawing. Yeah. I figure just, it's different. It's real slick looking, man. I like it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, the hand, sorry, the hand tattoo that we did for that seminar uh, is healed up. Um, I got a, is a couple of uh, small touch-ups and yeah, just around the knuckle. Um, but the Frank, the Frankenstein one came out great. Uh, no touch-ups needed. Uh, the bride just needs to touch up in a few spots, but I'm going to get a short video of that to add, you know what I mean? To, you know, if you need to add that to the rest of it, then we can do those voiceovers. Absolutely. Sounds good. Yeah. Awesome. I, um, I've just been kind of waiting for, to hear an update on that so that I can go through and, uh, yeah. the editing shouldn't take very much, um, cool. thankfully. But, you know, a lot of it just ends up coming down to the fact that I hate video editing and I'm going to procrastinate on that. So oh, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I'm not a big fan of video editing. I'm not a big fan of doing anything like that. Um, it's not something I enjoy, but it is something that I am. It's a necessary evil. Thing. It is. Yeah. Well, especially yeah. in this day, day and age with TikTok and all that. Oh, for sure. But I, uh, I definitely have frequented uh, the procrastination station, so I know all about that. Oh, yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I got an interesting topic, uh, if you guys don't mind, something that uh, absolutely recently uh, talked with another artist about this and, and, and brought it up at my shop as well. Um, so one, and as soon as I say this, I know you guys will know what I'm talking about. One of my clients... Uh, mentioned this to me and it is definitely a new fad mostly amongst celebrities and those that are a little more uh, you know financially able to do this type of thing uh, but my one of my clients is a doctor and a registered anesthesiologist does his own stuff uh, has all of his own equipment things like that um, and uh, he asked me and the, if I was interested in, you know, me and some of the artists that I work with, the owner of the shop and, you know, a couple other people about doing a, you know, a tattoo like that with somebody under anesthesia. And he said he'd be more than willing to do his services. He, you know, he's got a certain protocol that he needs to follow as far as, you know, patient intake and all that, but he carries his own insurance uh, and all of those things. Uh, he was a dentist. Um, and then he got out of doing dentistry just to do some, it was pediatrics. Um, and he was doing trauma dentistry and stuff like that. He got out of that to just start doing uh, anesthesia for people that need to have, uh, you know, dental work. So he was familiar with that field, but he goes, you know, it's not that much different than what you guys do. Mm. Um, and now it seems to be the craze. He brought it up a couple months ago. And since then I've seen the, you know, your, the Post Malone's, the, the Dak Prescott, who's the quarterback for the Cowboys, did an 11-hour session. He said he only felt comfortable doing maybe like upwards of eight, nine hours, but, um, you know, at least to start. Uh, but we were kicking around the idea, and uh, 
and this topic came up recently uh, with another artist and it's interesting. He had a lot of interesting things to say about it. And I'm just wondering about, you know, if you guys had any thoughts about stuff like that or what the, uh, what the, the interweb out there, how everybody kind of feels. I think it's something that if you're financially able to do it, cause it's certainly not cheap, uh, it's an option. Um, but it's, it's uncharted waters for, for most people, definitely for me. So I'm, I've definitely seen a lot of, uh, I've definitely been seeing that um, a lot more. I'm so glad you brought it up. I'm interested in seeing what you guys think about that. So I, I've got a lot of questions about that too. Like, so the one, the one biggest question I personally have about using general anesthetic to go through, make people unconscious while they get tattooed. My big question is what are you so afraid of like what do you really think that they hurt that much that you have to do that because i've gotten some pretty extensive work done i mean i haven't gone through an 11 hour session but you know even with some of the more painful tattoos that i've gotten it was tolerable it wasn't, I mean, yeah, it wasn't fun, but it wasn't to the point where I really felt like I needed to be under general anesthesia. You know, I could understand doing that for something like major surgery, right? Where you're getting your, your entire stomach opened up or your back, or you've got, uh, you know, arm amputations or something like that, where you need to be under general anesthetic for the trauma. Um, I personally have never gotten a tattoo that I thought was so unbelievably excruciating that I needed to be put under general anesthesia. Granted, yes, everyone is different. Some tattoos, people, certain individuals may feel it more than others. Um, I get that. But what are they really afraid of? Or is it just more of a social status thing, right? Because I can't begin to imagine that hiring a general anesthesiologist or to hire an anesthesiologist to put you under generalized anesthesia for a lengthened period of time is going to be cheap by any means, right? So I, I think it comes down to, you know, it's not, I don't think it's the pain of it. I think it's the timing. You know, when you talk about uh, like an NFL quarterback having it done, um, you know, they you know, you certainly they have time to do that stuff in the offseason. But when we're talking about, let's say, a sleeve or a back piece, um, it would seem that, you know, you need healing time in between sessions. They go to see their families or doing stuff like that. Uh, then they have, you know, protocol that they have to follow for training and and things of that nature where, you know, they're unable to, uh, you know, to heal a tattoo properly. Um, right. But we're not talking about the healing. We're so, talking about the application. Well, and what you're doing is you're having three artists, you know, or four possibly working on them at the same time to do basically a back piece in one city. So I've afterwards most out of the body, the trauma for the body is going to heal. But I think it's a time thing. Like they have the money and the resources to 
get it done in one shot. They can afford to pay. You know, I mean, you're look, you're talking anywhere from five thousand to twenty thousand dollars to pay the anesthesiologist, and that doesn't. That's not even. You're not even getting to the artist yet. You know, I mean, you're probably talking most of the same artists. You know, so it's something only a very particular type of client is going to be able to afford to do but i don't think it's so much the pain as it is they just they want what they want they want it now you know and then there's the idea that there is the fat attached to it right like it's kind of like the it's the hip new thing oh i got put under you know post malone gets you know a full torso tattoo and in you know six hours or something like that he's got three people working on him and while he was under i think he had his teeth worked on too like some actual dentistry work so it's wild, like this this new thing where I, I don't know if it's the generational thing or what it is, but um, I mean, it's my understanding that from my point of view that it's not so much dealing with the pain because these people have other tattoos and they know it's going to be a heap of pain when they come out of it. I mean, for sure, they're going to be uncomfortable for days, if not, you know, weeks or months while it's healing. But so here's here's one point that you're mentioning all of this and it's like, okay, I grasp that. I've, I've seen multi-artist collaborations before. Okay. I watched a guy get his entire back tattooed start to finish in four hours flat. Okay. With six artists working on him at one time. Okay. Not, not under general anesthesia. And the dude came out and he said, yeah, it, it wasn't fun, but you know, you, you deal with it. Like you, you earn yeah. it. Right? right. And I think, you know, okay. So you want to get that much work done in one shot. Okay, fine. But do you really need to be under anesthesia for that? I mean, I've watched someone get their whole back done with six artists on them at one time. And that can't feel pleasant. And they weren't under. Right. So why why do people feel like they want to be put under that's it's something i'm really curious about because i don't grasp yeah. that concept maybe it is just because of uh you know maybe it is a pain thing you know they 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 want to be knocked out or it's the you know the the fad you know the trendy thing like you know you can you can afford to have those to buy those shoes that have the red insoles or whatever they were called, Jimmy Choo's. You know what I mean? Like, you, they, uh, you're they talking about Louboutins, by the way. Red oh. bottoms. Well, no, the the red, the insole, the Jimmy Choo's, their women, their women's shoes, whatever. Oh, I'm sorry, I but, thought you were talking about the uh, the actual like bottom of the shoe. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just basically what's a Louis yeah. Vuitton bag. You know, same I, thing, right? Like, you I'm still trying to get a pair of the Reeboks with the lights in them, man. Like that's right, where yeah. I'm at. You remember how those were like the big thing back when we were in elementary yeah. school? I'm still Absolutely. trying to get a pair of those. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so maybe it's a trendy thing. I, I can't, I just, so I understand where you're coming from too. Like, you know, it's hard to wrap your head around somebody not being able to just deal with the uncomfortable nature of getting tattooed. Um, but, you know, I, I'd have a hard time kind of wrapping my head around I guess the same thing, but like, so that's kind of why I lean more towards, well, it's got to be a time thing, right? Like as tattooing as uncomfortable as it is, some spots definitely go, you know, over the threshold of a 10 for sure. But, you know, it's, it's not so excruciating that it can't be done. People get it done all the time. And like you said, you've seen people 
you know, go through a four hour back piece, six artists, just, you know, hacking away. So it's got to be a fad then, right? Like it's got to be a trendy thing. It's like, well, I can, a status thing, right? Like I can afford to do this. So I did it sort of a thing. As much as I would like to think that it's a status thing, I, I have doubts about that simply because look at the rise in all of the tattoo anesthetics that have come out on the market, the local anesthetics, a yeah, lot of the premium stuff, a lot that's of a the really good point, you know, and, you know, now people are coming around and there there's a whole like backlash against it from the tattoo community because it really does certain ones do affect the texture of the skin. You know, and then you yeah. have to deal with, okay, well, now I'm working in a very limited time window because once that stuff wears off, you're done. Like there is no like pushing through the last like hour or so. Once that stuff wears off, you're done. Like you're, you yeah. are not sitting for the rest of it because it's going to hit you all at once. So yeah. it's like, I, I, the reason why I keep going back to, you know, do people think that it really hurts that much, you know, which yes, I do understand that there are certain circumstances with certain people where yes, it does. Um, and no, they don't want to deal with it, but they still want to get the tattoo. Okay. I, I grasp that. And obviously there's always exceptions to every rule, but at the yeah. same time, it's like that, that's gotta be to me. It can't be the time thing, right? That's not, you could have two artists sit down and collab on a full sleeve and get a full sleeve done in a whole day. I've seen it, you know, like it can't be the healing factor because then all you would have to do is just hire multiple artists to work on you at one time. Right. Um, so, but it's still going to be the same length and period of time to heal, if not longer, because you're getting such extensive amounts of work done. Um, sure. that's why I keep going back to, it's gotta be about the paint. Right. And then, well then, okay. If it is about the pain, then is there, is there anything wrong with somebody taking that route? Like are tattoos really earned, you know, where they're like, well, you earn it. Well, don't you earn it by just simply paying for it? Does it matter if they have to use anesthesia or not? I mean, they seek out the artist, they they book themselves, they wait the appropriate amount of time to get the appointment, they, you know, invest that time and energy and money into it. Then, you know, for me, I personally, when it comes to tattooing people that like using the creams, I prefer that they don't. And then I go the route of the back team, you know, for like the last hour of the tattoo where I'll, I'll soak the tattoo, the, you know, when you get that, you know, 90 minutes left, I'll soak the tattoo for 15 minutes, wrap it in, uh, in saran wrap, let no air get to it, let that back team soak in. And then from that point on, I'll fill a rinse cup with nothing but back team and use that to wipe. Right. Exactly. Like, so I'm constantly just, just treating it as I'm working. And then that makes that last hour way more tolerable right like you're building that resistance up uh you're you're kind of um you know letting your body kind of adjust to the pain throughout the process to the point where you can actually take it for a length of time rather than you know opening the door to a blizzard and just having it smack you in the face immediately as soon as that stuff wears off so exactly. i am definitely from that school but i also you know i think if somebody's paying for it they're earning it it, it doesn't have to be earned through pain. I think that's, you know, in my opinion, I feel like that might be more of an old school 
uh, sort of a thing, like, uh, you know, the old old way of thinking with stuff. Uh, well, side and, note and I can here, see I just, that. I just passed a guy in a highway patrol car that looks like it came straight from Smokey and the Bandit. I mean, this thing has got to be from the 70s if it's a, and he's got a bristle broom mustache, giant. I really? Mean, that is wild. It was like a cartoon character. Are you kidding me right now? That's no, insane. If, okay, if sorry. You, if you get pulled over by him, we need a photo. We oh, need to I see what this guy all looks of like. Them. Uh, all of there's no way he's a real cop. It's it, I can't. That is bananas. All right. So back to the thing. So yeah. I, I feel like people earn. I feel like you are in the tattoo. It doesn't have to be earned through pain. And, and it's fun to joke about that. But if so, you know, they're uncomfortable. I get it. You know, I'd rather be I'm a tattooer. I'd rather be doing a multitude of things than getting tattooed. They're fun to wear. They kind of suck to get, you know, sometimes it's fun, you know, when you're talking to somebody or you get along with the artists like that, but by and large, from a pain standpoint, it, it all generally sucks. It does. I, I'm, yeah, I'll be the first one to tattoos. admit that too. You know, yeah, I'm not a big minutes. fan of it, but you get no. used to it and you learn yeah. how to deal with it. I also right. look at, you know, especially with like a lot of these in aesthetics that are out and the prenums. And I, I actually have one client specifically um, where, you know, I've done a bit of homework into it and I actually do encourage them to use it. Um, but it's only for, it's the fact that we're, we're working on a project on her and it's from collarbone to mid thigh. Um, sure. You know, and that's, covering a lot of very very sensitive very not fun spots and we're yeah, usually and it's already going, outlined right exactly you know so yeah, we're covering and difference. blanketing huge swaths of her body in a tattoo on every sitting so for yeah. me it's like okay that to me warrants going through and using something like that that's the perfect yeah. example of why they should be you know, I've right, gotten huge tattoos before in some of those areas, and it was absolute torture at times. Um, sure. But I also think that to me coming from, you know, and these are tattoos that I've paid, for, you know, but I still yeah. felt like I earned them through the process of getting them done. Um, yeah, that's it, how. Yeah. OK. It, to me, it's not necessary. You can when you sign up to get tattooed by an artist and you pay the artist to me, that's only part of it, right? That's commissioning an artist for their work. That's not necessarily, you know, earning your tattoo. That's just commissioning that artist for that, that artwork that you want done. You're going to that artist because you love their work. You took the time to investigate them, to see their, their work firsthand to see how things heal, to watch their progress over the years, and you've decided to commit to getting something done by them. You're paying for their time and their talent. To me, that's what you pay for. You don't necessarily pay for the, um, the right to wear that tattoo, if that makes sense. But who's, yeah, well, who says, though, that that, and I understand your point of view, but I, like, it's tough for me to, you know, to settle on that they need to experience the discomfort to be part of it's going to be uncomfortable at some point, no matter what, 
right? Unless you are completely knocked out under anesthesia, in which case, when you come to, there's going to be a, a an overload of, of pain and discomfort to deal with. I'm, I'm certain of it. It's probably, you know, it's like having your arm on fire for, you know, the next 48 hours, probably. Um, right. And, and it may have been less had you had not gotten the anesthesia, you know, and just dealt, dealt with it through regular, you know, numbing creams or none at all and just get the tattoo. Um, but, you know, when you pay for a meal somewhere or you, you know, you go to the grocery store, buy groceries, you, you know, more earn those by paying for it. I mean, you worked for it. You bought them. They're yours. You own it. You earned it. You earned that meal. You earned that, that food. Services. I, you know, beyond that, I don't, I don't know that there's, for me, that, that there's any more that somebody needs to uh, experience to have ownership or have earned, so, so-called earned the, you know, the right to wear that tattoo. Like if you come to me and you have a beautiful sleeve done by whomever, you know, like, like Marcus Pacheco or something like that. And then somebody else also has a beautiful sleeve, you know, done by the same artist. And, and one person used dummy creams. The other person did not. Um, to me, that's a moot point. I don't even bother bringing that up. I don't talk to somebody about whether or not they use anesthetics at all. I just, I'm interested in the work. And if you were willing to sit there and get that done, um, then that's you're no less part of the club than anybody else that's wearing something like that. That's a very valid point. Um, and that's a different perspective that I haven't, I hadn't considered before. Um, that's, that's very, very true. You are very accurate. Um, it's also fun to though, to think about it like that, like the, in terms of the club. So I understand what you're saying too, like being a, like you got to like, that's, that's an old school mentality. And a lot of, my approach to things, I tend to come from that, you know, the, I'd say like the pre 2000s tattoo era, the eighties and the nineties, you know? Right. Right. So uh, to me, there's know, also something to be said about self-discovery during the process, uh, which 100%. I don't, I, I mean, granted, I've never met anyone that's been able to afford to go under general anesthesia to get a tattoo. I, I don't know anyone that has. Um, so I would love to actually sit down and talk with them about that and, you know, find out some of their motivations behind it. But to me, there's something to be said for the journey of going through and, you know, taking, whether you use a uh, lidocaine cream or not, doesn't matter. You're still sitting there. You're going through a transitional process where you are permanently yeah. altering the way that you look. To me, that's that's a journey that you need to go on. And, yeah. you know, to me, I enjoy that process. Um, after through the year and a half that I went through and got my side done by fibs, um, you know, it was a year and a half going once every three months. Uh, and we finished my entire side from armpit to the top of my thigh. Uh, and from my belly button all the way over, all the way around to the side of my gluteus maximus. Um, Tattoo know, and, podcast, you can say butt. Uh, uh, okay, well, you know, hey, I'm just trying to be YouTube friendly. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, but for me, it was a journey, right? Yeah. And I went through a lot of self-discovery during that period of time. And I learned a lot about 
sure. what I can handle, how I can deal with certain things, um, you know, ways that I can go through and deal with this uncomfortable situation that I put myself in. And now I can come out of it and I'm much better for it by going through the whole process. You know, I learned yeah. a lot about what I was capable of handling at any given point in time, as far as pain goes. I learned a lot about how I can train my mind to be more patient with things. Um, you know, so there was a lot of self-discovery that happened during that period of time, uh, sure. which allows me to go through and say, yes, I can do this. Um, and it wasn't fun, but I did it. And I learned a lot about myself during that period of time. Kind of like um, if anyone out there has ever seen the Jeff Gogway uh, video called Surrender, right? A lot of it comes down to surrendering to the process. Surrender to the fact that, yes, you're in an uncomfortable situation. Yes, it's not fun. But yes, you will survive it. You know? Um, you know, obviously, that's assuming that you're getting tattooed in a clean, sterile environment, and you don't have to worry about secondary infections or, you know, anything like that. Uh, maybe woodland creatures creeping up on you and, you know, splattering your tattoo with, you know, whatever, um, which, you know, some people out there might be getting tattooed in the woods, you know, for the experience of it or whatever. Cool. More power to you. Um, I hope it's everything that you want it to be, but you know, that's also taking a large health risk as well. But to me, a lot of what I went through specifically dealt with the fact that I put myself in that situation and here's what I learned from that situation. And it made, to me, it made me a better person. Um, different people may have different opinions on that, you know, but to me, a lot of it was through the whole process of going through that. And I wouldn't have been able to go and say that I learned those things if I hadn't signed up and voluntarily gone through that process. Um, once again, my two cents, my opinion, um, I think it's something that we all learn from. Um, and there's something to be said for people that choose that method of getting their body tattooed. I'm not saying that I'm, you know, turning around and I'm thinking negatively or less about people that go through and do go through general anesthetic. That's fine. More, you know, if you can do that, do that. But to me, I would want to be conscious. I would want to experience it and I would want to go through that so that I can turn around and learn more about myself while getting it done. That's my two cents. Um, call it what it is, you know, call it, you know, just my own limited worldview. But to me, it's not necessarily about earning the tattoo, uh, but it's more about learning more about yourself as you're going through the process. So it's really, uh, really good, SD, because, you know, you're right. You're absolutely right. You want to, is it, is it easier to take a gondola to the top of the mountain rather than climbing it? Hell yeah. But are you going to discover more about yourself riding in that thing? No, you're going to discover more about yourself pushing your limits and, and going through the, the pain and the, the wanting to quit and the, 
the you know that self uh, accountability that you're you're putting yourself through something that you chose to do that's hard so that you can reap the rewards of, of wearing it. Right. Yeah. And I think that yeah, it's, it's so you want to talk about old school mentalities um, that actual that mentality that I choose to take is one of the the oldest mentalities when you start to look at the original culture of tattooing, how tattooing was viewed, who was getting tattooed and why they were getting tattooed. Um, you know, that's sure. one of the ways that it was viewed. It was if, you know, it, uh, looking at it from a historical perspective, there were a lot of cultures around the world that used it as a rite of passage. If you wanted to be accepted as you know, a tribal leader in certain cultures, you had to go through that process because by going through that process, you learned a lot more about who you were and you developed these personal traits to sit back and say, yes, I can do this because I've gone through this. Um, there are other sure. cultures that have gone through and, you know, people were tattooed for, you know, with protection symbols and health symbols and all types of other stuff. Um, and that was something that they knew that they had to go through in order to, you know, reap the rewards of, you know, whatever protection symbols they were getting or, you know, in order to go through and appease whoever, you know, whatever deity they worshipped to say, hey, my ankle might be hurting, but you know what? If I go through this process, which is going to suck, and I come out the other side, this deity is going to bless me and say, hey you can make it through your ankle if you can make it through that. Um, you know what I'm hearing is uh, it sounds to me that it's like, leave it up to whiny, lazy Americans to, uh, to send a generation of participation trophy kids to get tattooed and whine and cry about it's going to hurt, but I still want to get it. And now there's been a boom in all of these anesthetics when back in the day, people still got extensively tattooed, but there was none of it, which is also a valid point. Right. You know, uh, uh, so you know, Creatures saw... Cave, oh, Creatures Cave made a comment on the YouTube a little bit ago. Um, excellent comment and excellent question. They said before the modern world, before this modern era, what did getting tattooed symbolize to the culture? Right. Yeah. So, and that's something I think I just touched on that maybe a little bit, depending on the culture that you come from, you know, it could stand to represent many different things, but a lot of what, from my knowledge and my learning that I've picked up on over the years through my studies, a lot of it was about endurance and about rites of passage and um, cultural significance. So. Well, if, uh, if I can add on to that, there was a program, and what up, Creature Cage? Uh, there was a program that I had watched years ago, a documentary, um, and I forget what it was on or where. I, I want to say that the tribe in South America, this village, uh, and it's a practice. It, it could have been somewhere different, but it's a practice that's still going on today. Um, as far as I know, because uh, this wasn't too long ago that I had seen this, where uh, young women to like come into kind of like a coming of age sort of thing as I 
believe they were maybe 12 or 14 years old. Um, the women in this, in this uh, tribe had their faces tattooed. But there was a very particular way that they went about it. And that was that they would meet the shaman was the one who would do the, the tattooing. And they would have to meet with the shaman and, and talk to them for, I mean, this would be a week long process. They would stay with them and, and you know, practice all of these uh, different ceremonies. Um, but during the process, after having had talked to them for a while, they would go out into the woods and they would gather their own thorns. And these thorns would be used to uh, apply the tattoo. And the way that they would go about doing this is the, the young lady would lay down with her head in the shaman's lap, you know, uh, laying away from her, you know, kind of like upside down, so to speak. And uh, the shaman would paint this design on her face, much in the way that the Maori do it, or Maori, however you pronounce that, uh, that they would, you know, find out a story about the person, find out who they were, and let that kind of, you know, create the design on their face. They, she would paint it on using, I, I want to say they, that they did this with, with urine um, or spit or something like that. And then, you know, a, a charcoal, you know, burnt whatever that they, they would burn to make this ink. Uh, they would paint it onto her face and then use the thorns at that point to then push the ink into the face okay and you know just like a hand poke style tattoo but here's the caveat in it is that and i am going through a, a tunnel here that's only about 150 feet so if it cuts out let me know um the the one thing was that they would she would spend the first day and it's i think they had upwards of eight to 12 hours of tattooing the first day uh, and then the second day, she would have to go over the same thing that they did the day before to make sure that it was pushed in properly and that, that it was solid and wasn't going to fade. So we're talking about basically getting tattooed twice, back to back days on your face. And then they would do the second part of the face. And however, I, however, they would break it down into quadrants, they would do that. But each part had to be done twice. And during the process, this girl's tears are streaming down her face but she cannot make a sound she cannot flinch or anything like that because it's a point of pride for her and her family to have gone through this process and not you know not show any type of emotion like she wasn't allowed to you know can't cry in pain you can't do anything like that you can't make any noise or quit or it's become shameful to her family um, and I think the idea was that it proves to them and the rest of the tribe that they're ready for womanhood. They're, they're ready to do probably the most difficult thing, which is, you know, have a child and, and go through that process um, and that they were strong enough to do so. So it's, it's pretty wild, you know, to think of it from that standpoint. And then, you know, fa fast forward to a point here in America where, you know, somebody wants to get a you know sailor jerry pin up on their arm and they're like i got all the creams and i got the back teens and i got you know and i'm going to take five cigarette breaks and i got sandwiches and it's just it's insane to think of the different approaches from different cultures how that goes well i think you touched on an important point there um that in some of these cultures and i think this is kind of where i bring uh, my perspective to it to me it's a point of pride right 
It's a point of pride for me to be able to sit back and say, yes, I did this. No, I didn't use anything to help, you know, dull the pain or, um, sure. you know, not saying Bactine wasn't used in certain spots or for, that's, you know, a short period like of time at the end. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, for the most part, like I never went into it with pre-numb because that stuff didn't exist when I was doing it. Um, I was never put under anesthesia for it. You know, it it's a point of pride for me to be able to turn around and say that and say, yes, I've, I've done this and I've gone through this. No, it wasn't fun, but you know, I know that if I can do this, I can do almost anything else. Um, so it's a point of pride for me to be able to do that and to be able to say that, you know, to anyone that might ask. And, you know, it's like when I was getting the rest of my stomach and the left side of my body done up in Canada. It wasn't fun. It was terrible, you know, but it was a point of pride that, you know, I made sure I didn't use any kind of prenum or uh, nothing like that because I wanted to be able to sit back and, you know, rely on myself to be able to get through it. Now, yeah, a little bit of Bactine was used after the first three or four hours, but that's about it. You know, that wasn't you know, it's not like we used it the entire time or anything of that nature. Um, you know, and it, it is very much a point of pride for me to be able to sit back and be able to tell people that I've earned that and I've gone through that. And yeah, there were spots that were terrible. I didn't cry out. I didn't make a noise, you know, very much the same kind of methodology now, I'm not saying that, you know, that diminishes the value that other people may put on their own tattoos. That's fine. If that is what you choose to do, that's fine. I, you know, more power to you, you be you. But to me, it's a point of pride. And it's a point of, you know, just, you know, just pride and honor um, to be able to say that I did that. You know, I'm glad that we're kind of unpacking this because I, I actually agree with you from that standpoint that, you know, I can that I can get behind. Right. A point of pride. I think it's more of that old uh, kind of old mentality of a, another group of people or artists or tattoo collectors telling somebody that used anesthetic like, well, you didn't earn this, you know, but from a personal standpoint for that person to say, like, I have a lot of pride that, you know, I did this on my own. and I did not need any anesthesia. I did not overload myself with numbing creams and stuff like that. Like I put myself through something difficult and now I have something beautiful because of it. And it's more of the sim symbolic nature of that from a personal standpoint that I can get behind rather than like, you know, a group of people going, oh, well, you used all that numbing cream. You're not earning it. And it's like, well, who, who are we to say that? You know, you don't know what right. that person's been through or what they're going through. Um, but from a personal standpoint, if it makes them feel a, a higher sense of pride in themselves to go through the process without anything, then then good for them. And that I can get behind 100 percent. Right. It's really good point. You know, I mean, that's um, that's maybe, you know, an old school kind of mentality that, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in that. But that's but kind of the way that I feel. Work. Yeah, but that's that, that, yeah, I agree with you. I, I feel the same way, but it, you're, you're turning that inward. You're not projecting that onto somebody else, you know? Right. Um, and that I like, I, I really do like that. 
you know, it's it, a fun, to me, uh, fun one to unpack for sure, man. This oh, absolutely. Is, you know, I, I also have to say that, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, uh, people that seek out certain artists and other places where, you know, they will sit down, they'll make an appointment with an artist, say, say you want to go and get tattooed by Philip Lou, right? Um, which is a point of pride. It's a point of honor to be able to go to save your money, to make that kind of a trip, to sit down and dedicate time just for that, to seek out these artists in other places, to then go through and turn around and say, hey, I took the time, I saved my money, I busted my butt to make this happen, and I really wanted to get tattooed by Seth Mushrush, right? And I live in Auckland, New Zealand, hypothetically. I took my time, I saved my money, I went on that pilgrimage to get tattooed in order to have that as a point of pride. Um, you know, that's another, another thing that I really regard, regardless of yeah. how people get it done or anything like that. If you take the time and you save your money and say you want to get tattooed by the Rat Pack um, out in the UK or Berlin or wherever they're doing a show next. Cool. More power to you. The Rat Pack is six very, very well-known artists that go through and do multi-person collaborative tattoos, um, usually covering extensive areas of the body, uh, back pieces, full stomachs and torsos, full sleeves. And it's usually a number of people, four to six artists working on one individual at a time, right? These guys are not cheap. You're talking about some of the best artists in the world that are part of this Rat Pack. Um, they're not cheap. If you save your money and you go and you get something done by the Rat Pack, that alone is a point of pride. Whether or not you hire an anesthesiologist to put you under while you're getting tattooed, to me, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, point. yeah, that's a move you know, point. Then, but you're point. going, you're making that kind of a commitment. You're not just talking yeah. to any average artist. You're literally making this happen as a point of pride that you saved your money and you did this, and this is an accomplishment for you. Bravo! Yeah. More power to you. Couldn't be happier for you. You know, I really applaud that. That's cool. That's well said. You know, but that's that's another point of pride that I make. You know, I've now, been able to save my money and do these things. Now so, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll it back into the you know in the beginning of this conversation with the the NFL player getting tattooed like that, the, the Dallas quarterback. He, uh, I mean, those guys are supposed to be like the toughest of the tough, right? You know what I mean? And then. I, again, who knows what he's going through or what he had to, to do to get that or what his motivation was behind it. But if you just look at it from uh, the standpoint of what you had brought up in the beginning, where it's like, well, is it a pain thing? But it's like <laughs> the last person that should be concerned about the pain of, of getting tattooed is somebody that basically gets you know hit by 350 pound linebackers at full speed for a living. Right. You know? <laughs> Yeah, that that would be that would also, be another side world. note as a Philly fan. Not surprised that it was a Cowboys guy. 
Absolutely. I mean, no, really not surprised about that. Yeah. I, I kind of expected it from a Cowboys player, but you know, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's only cause I'm also a Philly fan and yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, we, we've had a rivalry for a while. Sure. You know? Sure. But you know, um, it's like, yes, tattoos are not fun. They're uncomfortable. Yes. They hurt. Yeah. If you want to use prenums and all that stuff, by all means, go find an artist that will allow you to do that. I don't like it because I've heard absolute horror stories. I've seen people that have gotten chemical burns from leaving prenum on for too long um, because that stuff can seriously adversely affect the way that a tattoo heals. You have to take that into consideration. You are taking a major risk if you use that stuff, not necessarily a risk that it's not going to work or that it's still going to hurt but it may not heal correctly and it may not heal right. And it may not look the same once it is healed. So be aware of that before you use that kind of stuff. One of the ways you can guarantee a tattoo will always turn out right is if you don't use it. So go ahead. I heard a, um, I heard a story about uh, I'm going back years ago when it started to first become popular to use lidocaine and stuff like that of um, somebody having some serious medical issues from uh, from a um, using, they were getting their torso or their chest tattooed or something like that. And they covered that front area with the, uh, with the numbing cream and then took the saran wrap and wrapped it around their torso to numb it up. But I guess that having all of that lidocaine in an area where there are very vital organs and, you know, nerves that need to operate properly so that you can breathe, you know, your diaphragm and stuff like that, that it caused some breathing issues for them. So, you know, and it was only at the time of the, you know, of the tattoo, um, but then they were told to not, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Don't cover your torso with lidocaine and then wrap it in saran wrap for two hours. It's, you're not doing yourself any, just deal with the tattoo at that point. Yeah, it's it's always something that I always tell people if they let me know in advance and they're like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Um, typically speaking, it's for a tattoo that's not very big. So I usually sit back and try to explain to them, like, listen, this tattoo is going to be done and over with before you even realize it. Like, it's not really worth it to do that if you absolutely want to. And this is something that you're adamant about doing cool go ask your doctor go ask your physician go ask whoever it is that is medically responsible for you if this is a good idea um get their approval in writing in writing so that that way i have something i can fall back on so that i can say hey this is what you chose to do here's everything from your doctor that said that this was acceptable um this unfortunately was the adverse effect of it, but then that way, legally speaking, I have something to fall back on if something like that ever does happen. You know, get your doctor's approval yeah, it's first. Out of your hands. Yeah. 
Um, so I am, uh, I'm driving through the hills of Connecticut right now and I am start everything's starting to break up. So I'm going to have to kind of sign off here, but, um, but I appreciate your guys' time. Uh, it's, it's, uh, talk to you guys on here. Yeah. Always a pleasure to have you on here, Seth. Um, yeah, it's a shame you won't be making it up to paradise gathering yeah, this year, that. but you know, maybe next there year we can work it out. Um, and we are still a go for Puerto Rico. Uh, James Wisdom will yes. be joining us this year um, instead of awesome. Medusa. Uh, Medusa had some personal things pop up and will not okay. be able to make it. But James Wisdom right. will be with us, so it's going to be a blast. Excellent. And I will get up with you in uh, in October to uh, early October to square away uh, the, you know, all that other stuff uh, mm-hmm. for the convention. Not a problem. So. Um, awesome, man. Yeah. Hope you uh, hope right. you enjoy the rest of your day. Hope uh, Thank things you. go you guys well too. And Thank um, you. hopefully we catch you on here again next week. That would be wonderful, man. I'll be at the shop at uh, in media next week, so I'll be around. Um, Excellent, guys. Take care. Have a great afternoon. Uh, it's good to see you all, and I will talk to you soon. You do the same. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. And I will be hanging out for a little bit longer. I'm trying to work on this uh, this draft. This um, I always like to do value studies before I make paintings, try to solve some of the problems before they occur. This way I'm not sitting back and guessing to myself, oh, well, maybe I should have done that, or maybe I should have done this, or you know, anything like that. Same thing that a lot of artists do with tattoos. Um, if you go through and you do a value study, even if it's a quick value study or a color study, before you get started, you can help solve some of those problems before you encounter them. Um, I know I'm going to be doing this dragon painting in black and gray. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, where do I want my darkest darks? Where do I want my midtones? Where do I want my highlights? What direction do I want my light coming from? You know, and these are all things that I don't want to have to deal with or guess at, you know, before I lay paint on paper. Um, so I try to get this kind of stuff figured out in advance. Um, Creature, you, you mentioned uh, Creature's Cave on YouTube. Did bring up a great point that rich people do rich people things, um, which is 100% true. Um, wonderful. Um, blah, blah, blah. Let's see, any comments on the Facebook? No comments on the reinventing Facebook. I did want to check this Facebook page real quick. Hope everyone's doing well today. Don't know if we're uh, streaming live on this one or not. Oh, doesn't look like it. Cool. Uh, It's about 10 after two. We'll stick around for another maybe 15, 20 minutes. See if anyone's got any questions, any comments about anything. I hope everyone's doing well today. 
would also like to plug again uh, the Paradise Tattoo Gathering. Um, hopefully I see some of you guys there. It's going to be epic this year. Um, and if you guys have ever wondered about prints, uh, making prints or getting things together or strategies to sell more prints, um, I am hosting a seminar this year on printmaking for tattoo artists, where we'll be going through and discussing some of that stuff and some of the, uh, some of the secrets to that stuff, not necessarily secrets, but just things that maybe some people don't factor in when it comes down to making prints of their own artwork. Uh, so if you're ever interested in anything like that as a way to make additional income, especially at conventions or online stores or, you know, way to kind of make passive income, um, by all means, feel free to attend my seminar. It's going to be a great way to go through and make some of these things happen. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I love collecting prints and artwork from other artists. Prefer originals, but prints are also very, very nice. And uh, it's a great way to be able to walk away from an artist that you meet at any given show or convention um, and have a little piece of them that you can take with you. Even if you don't have the money to spend for a full tattoo, buying a print off of an artist at a show is a great way to go through and be able to take that artist home and that artist's artwork home with you. Um, something I always recommend doing. They're usually fairly inexpensive by comparison to a tattoo. It's a great way to go through and, you know, collect a bit of artwork, take with you. Lord knows I have too many prints though. Too many prints, not enough frames, not enough of the right sized frames, but you know, it kind of is what it is. I've been collecting fine art prints from tattoo artists for a long, long time. Since before I think I was even tattooing. Go figure. Yeah, prints and books. Love books. Sketchbooks and guidebooks and all types of stuff. It's fun. And I figure we'll stick around for another little bit and see if anyone else joins us. If not, no worries. This is the uh, one thing I hate about not having anyone else on here is that kind of talking to myself here. But some, in some ways, it's a good way for me to go through and kind of unpack certain things with what I do and how I do them. Uh, discussions with myself. Granted, I was always taught that you can ask yourself all the questions you want. It's when you start answering your own questions, that's when maybe you got to start getting a little worried. Watching out for the guys in white with the big butterfly nets coming after you. Don't get me wrong, they're usually very nice people. Um, you know, say hi to them for me. Met them a few times. Looks like I've got a pretty good base 
some of this stuff. I got to be careful about certain values though. Like here, next to the background, that I'm going to have to keep lighter just so that it stands out. It might be a little weird unless I go through and I make the background lighter. I'm trying not to do that. This can probably make a little lighter. Same thing here, that way it stands out a bit more. Lighten this up a little bit. Now I have to be careful about the value there compared to the rest of the dragon's body underneath. But it still gets the same kind of effect across. Keeping it dark towards the points, radiating in. It's going to help bring focus in. The human eye generally tends to gravitate to points of light. So by keeping a lot of this area, the teeth, the highlights on the nose, keeping that a lot, of, a lot lighter is going to help draw the eye inward to the face, um, especially since I've got so much dark going around in the rest of it. Yeah, Andre Malcolm, what's up, man? Um, dude, I can't wait to take your seminar. Uh, I already signed up for it and everything like that up at Paradise. I'm very excited for that. Um, thank you. Thank you for uh, making the comment. But yes, I'm going to be working on this painting at uh, Paradise Gathering. It's two feet by four feet. So it should be a pretty fun time. Got a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, maybe you're interested in you know, working on some collaborative drawings or something like that. I've got all kinds of bodysuit templates. Would love to uh, to take some time and draw with you and paint with you a little bit and see what we can come up with. Um, you know, it's something I love doing. I always learn a lot whenever I work with other artists and collaborate. Uh, just watching their process, their technique. Um, and Andre, if you need thumbnails or anything like that for templates for the gathering let me know be happy to email them over to you um you know that way you can i know you like thumbnailing before you work on anything so uh yeah just let me know yeah this year is going to be a great year up at the paradise gathering um got a lot of collaborative artwork going to be going on a lot of uh, seminars, a lot of really fun stuff to and fun activities. Um, also, for anyone that wants, anyone that is going to Paradise Gathering that may want to take a little bit of downtime, I will be bringing card games with me, um, you know, for anyone that may feel like they're experiencing artistic burnout. Um, but yeah. Yeah, can't I, I remember taking your wave seminar the first time you did it for uh, reinventing the tattoo, Andre. It was a great time. 
Uh, can't thank you enough for that. Made me uh, really think about things in a different light. And I love all the stuff you've been doing lately too, man. It's really, really stellar work. And I'm just trying to create a value study here. Just quick, nothing crazy. I'm not really super concerned about you know, keeping everything perfectly clean. I'm not planning on selling this uh, Procreate drawing as a print. It's just basically for me so I can get a better idea of what do I want light? What do I want dark? Where do I want my light source coming from? Maybe I will refine it. Maybe I will make digital prints of it. But this is just so that I have a better idea of what I'm going to put where when it comes down to painting this dragon up at the Paradise Gathering. I like the idea of making the tips darker, bringing focus in. Have a good one, Andre. Thanks for, uh, for dropping a comment, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, hang out for a few more minutes and just see uh, see if anyone else decides to jump in. And we'll take this and we'll give this a bit more of a shadow. Make that look like it's really kind of rolling back. Then same thing here. Now I specifically did not want to give this dragon a super classic look um, or a super traditional kind of look. I wanted this to have a very different kind of almost neo-traditional kind of feel to it. And that's why I did things like I didn't really round off the top of the head. I did like the look of the more uh, traditional beard, but it's not necessarily something that um, maybe I would keep for everything. Um, I could have gone with more of like a hair-like beard, but decided against that. Here, we'll shade this in. I really like the way I have this pencil set up in Procreate. Um, I've got it set up so that as I go through, it is pressure sensitive as far as the opacity and the flow is concerned. But for sketching purposes, I always like to have it set up so that you're creating almost like a uniform 
level of tone. And then if you go back over the same area, it gets a little bit darker. And then you go back over it and it makes it a little darker. You go back over it again, it makes it even darker. Um, and then you can always go back over it and make it black. And you can see that as I go through and I'm sketching it out, you can see certain layers being built, which I can then smooth right out, create a nice little gradient. Yet if I keep the same pressure on it, I can always go through and it's just gonna create one uniform value layer. So there's three different layers, which I can smooth out. Same thing over here, bring that nice and light. And then this guy is gonna get a little bit of a darker value. Considering the fact I'm trying to leave the eyes white, um, that should give me a nice little bit of a focal point, a very, very bright area to kind of bring some more attention to these eyes. I'll probably shade them out a little bit, create a little bit of volume to them, but I don't want it to be overwhelming. Sometimes when you add too much value, especially to something that you want to leave pretty open, um, too much value can really close it down a little bit. So try to stay on the much lighter side of the spectrum with these eyes. That's something that a client brought up to me the other day is they mentioned the fact that whenever I draw dragons or snakes or things like that, I typically don't put pupils in the eyes. And I originally did that because I thought it gave it a much more creepy kind of look, but um, apparently um, by not doing that, I'm not giving anything that I draw a soul um, because in some of the more traditional dragon um, methodologies of drawing them and painting them, when you give a dragon or a snake or any creature eyes like pupils, it gives them a soul. So. Apparently all I draw is like soulless dragons, but that's okay with me. I like it. I don't mind keeping a lot of this little scribbly and sketchy. Don't have, doesn't have to be completely, totally refined. After all, this is just a value study. Doesn't need to be perfect. Same thing I was talking about before. Do a couple of layers. I'll make it even darker. Then we'll smooth that out. Erase some of this excess so that it doesn't get confused when I go through to shade the hand. But once again, not super worried about it.
There we go. I'll probably finish up the head and then call it a night. Take all this and blend this out a little bit more. This ear is going to be a bit more tricky. I only want to have a little bit of value right there. Gives it the effect that it's rolling over. Got a little bit of texture to it, which is good. Down here, this is going to get for these guys. Drawing like a little bit of texture, a little bit of graduation repetition. Good. Give this a little bit more gradient to allow this highlight over here at the top of the brow to stand out a bit more. Bring it back here. This out. I may end up going back through and making some of this a bit lighter, but it's good for now. Uh, I'll throw a little bit of a drop shadow here, here. This would be a little bit longer. Good.
stop shadow. Stop Maybe make this a bit lighter at the top. Down. Good. This gets bit of a bigger, more bold highlight. And of course, this is just a concept. It does not necessarily mean I'll be sticking to this color scheme or value scheme when I actually paint it, but it gives you a good idea to begin, to begin with. That's going to keep this middle portion nice and vibrant. The only thing I have left to uh, shade in is the horns. This area is looking a little bit confusing. So I'm going to go through on this layer. Shade that down a bit more. 
really make it look like this bicep portion of the dragon is kind of overlapping. Push that back a little bit further. And as this develops, I'm gonna be pushing and pulling certain parts. Certain parts will be lighter, certain parts will be darker, but should give me a good kind of concept, a good start to a lot of this that I have going on. This part would have to be lighter, so it's not as confusing. Creates more of a rounded effect. Something here, reflection off the cheekbone. This protrusion here. Make this part a little bit lighter. I don't know. Blend it. And this guy would give a little bit of a cast shadow here. And back here from where it's coming out. And then this is going to separate that from the lip. that it wouldn't go quite as high. And and I wonder here would be a bit more bit bigger, bit larger. This would get a much bigger highlight. This whole area would probably be lighter since it's overhanging this bottom part of the jaw. Just blend that in. Now it's a bit easier to decipher. As always, thank you for watching today. Really appreciate it. Um, as always, if anyone has any questions, comments, or concerns, by all means, please send me a direct message here at Philly Inc. Or you can always email management at reinventingthetattoo.com. Uh, thanks for joining in today. Make sure that you hit that like and subscribe button if you like today's episode. Um, that way you'll get notified for all of the future shows for the Skill Building Sunday Drawing Group, as well as all of the other great shows that Reinventing the Tattoo has to offer here on the Reinventing the Tattoo Network.
Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure and my honor to uh, sit with you guys today. My name is Jason Leeser, and I will catch everyone again next week for episode 124 of Skill Building Sunday. Thank you very much, and have a wonderful rest of your day. And I'm just waiting for the YouTube delay.